All right. Here tonight to show us how to cook like a pro, please welcome Chef Rory Scovel. Thank you. Um, so I'll just start with your basic, this is your artichoke. You're just really fighting to get to the middle of absolutely nothing. So we'll put that on the plate and move right into the lettuce. Maybe the lettuce doesn't have any flavor to it. Maybe that's what we are. But then once we die, we get to meet God. You will not. It's not out there. <laughs> Eric, there's plenty of vegetables. You could just eat the vegetables, but no, I have to kill innocent animals, okay? <laughs> now we're getting into a nice sizzle, which is what everyone says is good. That means it's gonna taste amazing. There is no God. Once we die, that's it. Christ! Yeah! Uh, yeah! You know what cooking is, Eric? It's pain! Oh, Jesus! Get that in there! Yeah! Oh, look, it's stupid me. Can you see? Here's Studio 212. Uh, I'm your host, Bobby Stills. Across from me is uh, Johnny Tudabi. This is Grill How Long Steak Mister. 17 minutes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, yeah. This is Grill How Long Steak Mister. I am Bobby Stills. That is Johnny Tsunami. Those dudes who were talking before us. Uh, Blasters. We got, I don't know, man. There are new minions. <laughs> Does that sound anything like a minion? No, I don't, I don't think watch, so. I don't watch I that stuff. That. Despicable you, not me. <laughs> Anyway, uh, episode six nine, Doc. Six nine. You know what that means, man? As, er. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, Johnny. So I was like, uh, you about to say eat Daz? Yeah, <laughs> you're <a> gross human. <laughs> All right, yeah, we are back in the hizzy. Uh, like I said, uh, Studio 212, Seattle, Washington, South Lake Union. Uh, summer is here, or spring, should mm -hmm. I say? Yeah. Uh, but it's not the weather in Seattle is not going to change, so it's probably going to be like this, so we have pretty much hit summer. Yeah. But it's beautiful. It'll get a little hotter, I'm, I'm assuming. Okay. Johnny. What? Your restaurant's opening this week, correct? Yes. Are you psyched? Dude, I'm like... So excited right now. It's not, even, it's not even funny. Everybody is super excited about June Baby opening. I know. Um, yeah, so we opened the 26th, which is Wednesday, this Wednesday. Uh, we got a busy, busy, busy ass week ahead of us because we basically have just been pickling and doing random shit <laughs> of course. for the past two months. So now we actually have to get the menu ready and ready to roll for a Wednesday opening day so we, and we don't do reservations so we don't know how many people are going to be coming in you you are doing solari does reservations yeah but we're doing it more of like a like a southern hospitality sort of thing and uh first come first serve uh trying to make it so that there is a wait because that adds hype to a restaurant you know or it just pisses people off and we'll go somewhere else. There's nowhere else to go. They can go down to Solari, though. Yes, yeah, Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, he was actually, Chef was on uh, Northwest Daily this morning. 
I saw him on something else on the internet too this week. Uh, if you guys don't know him uh, or you're from not from Seattle, Washington, uh, look up Eduardo Jordan. He's yep. he's great. Really nice guy. Super talented. James Beard winner and semifinalist this year. Yeah, congratulations. Beasting, beasting, and yeah, he's he's on top of his shit. Uh, have you eaten anywhere? No, actually, I haven't. I've been trying to say Daguala. I've eaten places, but nothing I want to talk about. Um, work update for me. We're not doing work updates anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good thing, apparently, because somebody went ahead and lit me up and was ta- said I was talking shit on the podcast about my coworkers. Which you are. No, come on, dude. You're sitting <laughs> on my back. My owner may be listening. Uh, but it, they had brought up an old episode where I had gone to an argument with one of my coworkers about some, some stupid shit. It wasn't a big deal. But um, I understand my owner came up to me and was like, you got to see it from my angle. And I told him, I was like, yo, I'm totally transparent about, you know, what goes on. Um, I don't really try to use names. I don't try to put anybody on blast. And I try and, and let people know. I don't say anything on the show yeah. that I wouldn't say to their face. And I work stuff out. But somebody got a little heated at me at work. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I just got tired of somebody's attitude and just kind of was like. It's just radio. Well, internet. Radio. Yeah, internet radio. But uh, somebody got heated and went and like tried to get me in trouble. They tried to get me straight up in trouble. I was like, do you know this and that? And, did it? and he listened to an old episode, you know, where I went on a little rant. I went on a rant a long time. Yeah. But I said, hey, man, I just, you know, want to let you know, we kind of stopped doing work updates. You know, it's kind of the same stuff. We gave people a feel of kind of what we do at our jobs, what, the, what it looks like at our personally at our jobs. If there's anything... Um, you know, major that happens, you know, we can talk about it, but, um, you know, we're not trying to let people know what we do day in and day out at work, just kind of an overall view. So he was super cool about it, but you know, he, what I wanted, what well, the reason why I wanted to bring this up, he had a good point and I wanted to see what your feelings on, on it were. So he is trying to figure out a way and how he should go about the new, this is the, you know, the new era of social media, right? And so if you work at a restaurant, what binds you to keeping things private at at your work? I guess just personal, like. But is it illegal? That's the thing about it, and that's what he, we, me and him were talking about. I mean, he, we, he wasn't talking about me personally. He was just saying an overall sense because I, what I was saying was, you know, if you ain't friends with nobody at your work on social media, if they're heavy on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Facebook, you know, there's also they blog, you know, if you don't know about what they're writing online, we've seen many instances of people talking shit about their own restaurant they work in. Yeah. And once they get found out about, they're out the fucking door. Yeah. You know, um, you can you can voice your own opinion to, to privately to whoever you want. But once you go on. The, the internet, it becomes public. And that's fucked up because if somebody snaps a picture of rat droppings or rat poop at you know where you work at your restaurant and they put you on blast on the internet, regardless of if you work there or you don't work there, it makes it look really, really, really fucking bad. A customer can do whatever the fuck they want, but if you're an employee for that said restaurant, you know, does is that okay? What do you think? That's a tough question because I think it's kind of like you know, straddling the fence on that one because you, yeah, you can do that. 
And no, it technically isn't illegal because you didn't sign any NDA or anything like that that would say that you couldn't say or do those sorts of things. But on a professional standpoint, it's like if I were a boss, excuse me, if I were a boss and I had an employee doing that, I would have to stress to them that what they're doing is making my business not look reputable. Um, But at the same time, if you're running a kind of a shit show, maybe that should kick your ass into gear to try and figure out what things are going wrong. Not saying that where you work is a shit show or anything. No, not at all. But I'm just saying in general, um, you know, there's sometimes there's people who need to get opinions about certain things from the outside community. And that's why we kind of do this show is to, you know, exactly. try and figure, figure things out, you know, together with our cook and with our home community and whatnot. Um, I totally understand where your boss is coming from because he probably feels like he's being outed as a bad boss or. No, no, like no, that. not that. No. I mean, he came to me. No, great, great. And that's, what I told him, I said, yo, I, I promote your company. The reason why I work for you is I love you as owners. Yeah, you still work there. Yeah, they're some of the best owners that I've ever worked for. And I stressed him that. And I was like, I've invited him to come on the show. He eventually is going to come on the show. He's just a busy man. Yeah. Um, And, excuse me. And he kind of just trying to make me understand his point of view. And I totally understand his point of view. he, and he's not mad at me. Yeah. He wasn't mad at me. He just was basically saying, and I totally understand this, is that it's hard enough already running a business, mm-hmm. let alone a restaurant. Then on top of the restaurant, you have personalities in that kitchen who may have conflict with each other. Well, that's supposed to be in-house. You know what I'm saying? It's supposed to be dealt with online behind the scenes. And once you bring it out to the public, other people may not be okay with that. Yeah, that's true. But so, I mean, yeah, I see that, but I also see the the way like you feel like you need to express what's going on because you can't talk to those people about certain ways that you feel. Exactly. Because no, not, I talk to you about exactly because they're not going to take it the same way like I'll take it or something like that. And it's always good to talk to someone who's removed from exactly. a situation. Third in order party to get, outside yeah, perspective. In order to get an outside perspective on something. And it's helped me. Yeah. I've I felt a certain way and looking from my point of view, I felt a certain way and then I speak with you or I speak with, oh, by the way, Keith is in the house. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> He's here. Queef buggy. And early too. Early. <laughs> uh, and I talked to Keith about it because he's in the restaurant industry too and he we speak about it and they help me kind of maybe look at a, a different approach, you know? So I told him, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, blowing the spot up and I never, I didn't think, I didn't think I was blowing the spot up. No, so, I think you were just talking about personal stuff, which, okay. which happens, but it's, it is what it is. Keith's trying to move me along. <laughs> Should I tell my Richard Sherman story? If you keep it short. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you don't know, uh, Seattle Seahawks is one of the greatest teams in all of the United States of America. <sighs> Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Bird uh, but anyway, Richard Sherman is a DB and he is from the city of Compton. Is he part of the LOB? Legion of Boom, baby. He's yeah. one of the leaders. You know what I'm saying? But the Legion of Boom is falling apart. Um, and I believe that Richard Sherman is leaving. So I was out of the club by, shut up, Johnny. Uh, I was out of the club in the neighborhood of Ballard, um, of Seattle, Washington. A gross neighborhood. 
whatever Johnny re- reps it hard <laughs> uh, at, a, at a place called Shelter and I had a table next to the DJ uh, Swerve One was playing with some friends I went outside to talk to a security member of the club next door up walks Richard Sherman uh, talks to my homie and goes hey I got about 10 people it's a room for us a table uh, in the back of Cedar Room that I can bring like me and 10 of my friends in there and I'm stepping back you know I don't want to think I'm like, that's Richard Sherman. Yeah. But I don't want to be like, yo, everybody with a clean ass, uh, like, sideburn line game is that's tight. <laughs> and crispy dreadlocks, I don't want to assume is Richard Sherman. Yeah, that's true. So that's st- There's a lot of back, black folk out there. Looking like sideways, I step back. And then he's talking about the club, going in the club. And I go, hey, man, we got, I'm like, it's got to be Richard Sherman. I go, hey, man, we have a table in the back next to the DJ booth, me and my friends. It's probably got about room for 10 people. It's by the fire pit. Why don't you just come in there and hang out with us? And my friend's like, yeah, probably shelter's better. And he goes, bet, I'll be back. He starts to walk away. And I hi, I don't know where to ask for a picture, an autograph. I go, hey, man, can I give you a hug? <laughs> and he goes, he looks at me sideways. He's trying to figure out, is this some, you know, some Ballard shit? <laughs> or is, it, is this some super fan shit? Or is this just a normal guy? And I look at him back and I go, hey, man, look. I know that you're leaving. I just want to give you a hug and say thank you. I appreciate you as a person. And he goes, all right. Gives me this nice, juicy man hug, right? <laughs> Dude, it's soft, man. His skin, I mean, I felt like he was, like, grasping me. Like, like his dread smelled, like, delicious, right? <laughs> his, I mean, I saw our cheeks rub together. And I just, like, whispered his ear, like, thank you. You know, and I, I'm dead serious. This is straight 100 true. And I go, look, man. I just want to say thank you for everything you did for Seattle, and thank you for being you as a person, your personality, all the things you do for the community. And I just appreciate you. And if you leave, I feel you and I understand. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you. And he let go of that. Maybe the hug was a little, maybe a little extra long. Too long. Yeah. He like tried to pull away, and I pulled him back in. Get in here. You know? <laughs> but he was cool. He was receptive. And so then I let him go, and I go, um, you know, thanks, man. And he shakes shakes his hands, and he's like, all right. And I was like, have a good night. Hopefully, I see you inside. He's like, all right, we'll be back. And there's some other people. There was nobody around, so it was like my homeboy. Big Damien. Uh, and this other people come. He's like, oh, shit. Can I get a picture? He's like, no, nah, I got to go home. He puts his hood up, just walks away. And I went inside. I was juiced for like ever. That's what's up. Well, news so. came out today that they're not trading. Well, I don't know. We, Trade talks are over. Well, good. Okay. Let's get into it, Johnny. All right. So first off, we wanted to discuss something that is needed to be talked about, and I don't understand why it hasn't happened, is the New York City public schools may soon serve kosher and halal. Ha- halal? Halal. Halal. Halal alcohol. And Michael Canyon are down in a, doing a wild game cook-off in Portland. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Halal. Halal options for lunch, um, which I think this is great. Um, they, for the past year, they've been trying to get this bill passed, and um, apparently a woman by the name of um, – a man by the name of David Wimbren has introduced legislation that would make public schools in the city offer lunch options that meet re- religious dietary restrictions of its students – um, and in New York, that's pretty big because there's a large Jewish and, <coughs> you know, halal community. Over the fucking, over the, I mean, most oh, coast, most, most coast. coast. Yeah. But I mean, when you think about New York, you think about a very large Jewish, like a very, very large practicing Jewish community. 
Yeah, and also people that are Muslim. Yeah. I mean, it, this is it's against their religion. And one thing in America is we have the right to practice whatever religion we want. Mm-hmm. So I think by standard definition, though, I think a lot of things that are, are religious, you know, categorized as religious communities shouldn't be because they're just fucking uh, places that want to take your money and they're cults. Tax-exempt so, assholes. Exactly. But for reasons of, you know, things of this, this nature, um, I love that a state is go ahead and making this um, available option because um, in prisons and stuff, I mean, it's amazing that how many, how much, how many things are done in the prison system that people outside of prison don't have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, they have f- access to free education in the prison system. They have ex- access to the internet, but even in some of those low income communities and stuff, there is no, there's no cable. There's no internet. Um, there's no organic or even <clears throat> farmers markets. But in jail, you can get a kosher or a halal meal. So, yeah. And what was they? What were they saying in that article? Like thirty-eight percent of New York schools are either practicing Jews or yeah, or Muslims. Yeah. Um, combined, um, yeah. and the, that's almost ha- almost half. Yeah, they say the city is a much more diverse religiously now than it's ever been, and it's it's about time that they make this change. They're wondering uh, exactly how much is it going to cost the state, though. Yeah, um, I don't have a problem. I think that that's a good use of tax dollars. Exactly. Um, they the only thing they offer right now in their schools is a vegetarian option. Um, but they don't they don't have any see but that's where it kind of gets messed up because it's like why do vegetarians get to have their own menu but people who have a strict dietary restriction because of their religion can't get something on the menu like i remember them i was reading that article earlier today and they were saying that um a lot of jewish kids um either go to school with the peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day or, or they, they don't, don't eat. eat at all and yeah. then if it, it, it messes up their focus so they can't well i mean you think well in school think about it like this right um, everybody wants to assume, well, not, this is, this is awesome because it's both, uh, Jewish faith and the Muslim faith. Yeah. So we can't pick one or the other. It's both, which is great. But, you know, not, a lot of these kids, sometimes they come from poor, impoverished mm-hmm. families and they don't even get a, a good meal at home. Um, not all of them do. They should have access to hot food. They should have access to hot food at school. So this is, it's a, it's a perfect way. I mean, there's tons of kids we've read about in many years where the only food that some kids get a day are at school. They come to school, have breakfast, they come to school, have lunch, and they come home, their parents aren't there, mm-hmm. and they don't eat anything the rest of the night. Sugar sandwich, you know. Johnny, how many sugar sandwiches have? Not many, but many ketchup sandwiches. <laughs> so I I would like to see this go happen in a lot of other school districts. I mean, I think Seattle should be on it already. Most definitely. Um somebody needs to you know, introduce legislation yeah, to it. True. So John, if you get Ethan Stoll into that office. That'd be nice. We need to get we need to pick up on, on talking to him. He's interesting, very interesting man. Yeah. All uh-huh. right, Johnny, what's next? Well, uh, I was perusing the interwebs today. That's t- we need a theme song. It's like Johnny on the internet <laughs> perusing. And that's every day you're like, I was digging, I was digging down in the internet, deep in the depths of the web. And the web, yeah. And I came up with. Uh, I was watching, uh, you know, old school X Men and on the computer. So good. Um, and on Food and Wine, they came out with an article today um, by Micah Pomeran- Pomeranz. Pomeranz. 
And um, it's about an Indian chef who sets the world record by cooking for 53 hours straight. Endurance cooking. Yeah, endurance cooking. I've heard about this. Yeah, so. But he broke the record? He broke the record. I guess the record was um, 40 hours by a teenager. Um, I can't remember his name, but I'll find it in a moment. But yeah, so, oh yeah, it was a 40, it was 40 hours set in 2014 by a teenager chef uh, by the name of Ben Perry. And so. BP. This guy's name is Vishnu Manohar. Oh, yes, Vishnu. And yeah, so he cooked for 53 hours straight on eight um, separate stovetops. Damn, whipping it hard. Whipping it hard. Um, he Eight stovetops. Eight stovetops. And what you have to do in order to set the, wor- the world record is you have to cook. You have to actually cook dishes and they have to be 100 grams or more on each plate. Um, so he got to around 45 hours of cooking straight and people were so hyped and juiced and wanted to try the food that he actually ended up cooking for almost 10 more hours um, because everybody was just so amped and he only got tired at the, at the last two hours and asked somebody to put some hype music on and he made it. But I guess he trained for this. What was the music? No, they just said upbeat tunes. (laughs) 21 Savage. 21. 21. I think we'll put 21 Savage in the beginning of our show. All right. I like that. Did you hear the beginning of our show last week? Yeah, it was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, so he, what was I going to say? Sorry. So he had began preparation for this event in a, for about a month. He hired a nutritionist to kind of figure out how he could do this. Um, because I don't know if y'all know this, but India be hot. <laughs> Mad hot. <laughs> Mad hot. So um, they put him on a diet. Um for the last three days, he they, this is a quote. For the last three days, I had put him on a protein diet and then a carb loading cycle to maintain high energy levels. He was also given a lot of liquids like buttermilk and plain water to prevent dehydration. Who drinks buttermilk straight, dog? Old people, dog. <laughs> they need that shit. They need that culture. <laughs> Dude, the only thing I use buttermilk for is chicken and, and maybe some a couple dressings. But yeah, that's biscuits, it. biscuits. Oh yeah, yeah, biscuits. Um, yeah, <laughs> but of course you're big ass over there. <laughs> Ice cream, <laughs> Keith. That, that's my one. That's my one. Uh, my gift to the show. Ice cream. So, um, by the end so of good. the event, he had cooked over 750 dishes, all containing 100 grams. Um, for the Guinness for the Guinness rules. Who paid? For, who paid for the food? They didn't say who paid for the food, but I. Um, I'm pretty sure that government. Yeah, you know he probably he probably and who prepped all his stuff up. for him. He probably did. He had um, 16 people work with him during the event as like servers and gang, probably gang, gang. you know dishwashers. Squad. And, yeah, you know having a squad work and they they probably were like at hour 12 like all right I'm gonna go home and you know sleep a little bit and round two can come in. But I just wanted to give a shout out because I mean like that's dope. And then at the end end when he was all done, um, he dedicated his record to the farmers of Maharashtra or Maharashtra and the goddess Annapurna um, and stated, I have the energy to go on for 10 more hours. Um, He's just a badass. 53 hours straight. That's over two days if you're not doing your math. 
for the hours right now. Like, Thanks, Johnny, because I was not doing the math. Right? Oh, that is a lot of fucking that's hours. That's a lot of hours. Took, that, how are you going to cook for two days? That's He He stayed up. He worked. He did a bunch of different um, events where he was working for, like, hotels or, like, certain yeah. different areas where they cook overnight and was doing about, I want to say, 35 to 40 hours, like, working straight. Jesus, man. So he got up his endurance so he could do it. Um, it doesn't say he drank coffee or tea or anything like that just to get his juice going. But well, congratulations, v, Viju. Uh, Vishnu. Vishnu, yeah. Uh, Vishnu Manohar. Um, yeah, and he's a badass. I guess he's a celebrity chef in India. Well, there you go. But, yeah. All right. Speaking of uh, awesome chefs, uh, Han Dynasty's uh, Chef's Night Out episode is premiering next week on Munchies. Uh, so they talked to him about his restaurant, um, which is called Han Dynasty, um, in Philadelphia, I believe. Uh, but he had uh, talked to them about a Cesaron restaurant that he had uh, that his food was so spicy that he had the cops called on him a couple of times. <laughs> so basically what happens is, is he went to his first Chinese restaurant in America when he's about 13 years old and his mom ordered a bunch of dishes. He's from uh, Taipei and uh, he ordered his mom ordered a bunch of dishes and he straight up told his mom, like, this isn't Chinese food. This is like shitty American Chinese cuisine. Yeah. His mom tried to tell him that like, Oh, we don't serve. They don't serve real Chinese food here in America because Americans don't like, Real Chinese food. Yeah, they only like shitty, uh, non-authentic dishes. Like that sal, right? So he, when he grew up, he was like, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, you know, I'm gonna grow. I'm, I'm gonna make a real restaurant. This is disrespectful to you know my heritage. Yada yada yada. So he uh, opened up a restaurant in uh, where is it? Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Sounds about right. Yep. Uh, super slow, but people used to come in and he, you know, tried to invent a heat index at his restaurant and people would, um, you know, would try to order the hot stuff and they would assume that he did it just to fuck with them. Like there's no way there was no, they're basically asking who the fuck would eat their food this spicy. So you must have done this on purpose. This is assault and battery. I'm calling the police. <laughs> right? And he would try to explain to them, like, you know, this is the heat index. Look at the heat index. You know, and it's, you know, we, we, do, we do star systems here in, um, in Seattle. Uh, he basically says, you know, he says every, 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 everybody takes spice differently. Uh, the woman called the cops. She said I was just trying to fuck with her because the dish was too hot. And I had to explain to the police. I took them in the back of my restaurant and showed them the giant duffel bag of peppers that I order from overseas. And mm. this is what I put in the dishes. And he showed the police how he does it because even the police, um, you know, didn't believe him and thought that, you know, he was maybe, you know, fucking with her. So he's basically trying to say, you know, he's trying to tell, trying to teach people more about spices and how to effectively use them. Uh, because as me and Johnny were saying, you know, you go, um, you go to a restaurant here and you try to get spicy food and it's just, it's not hitting. Yeah. That, that five star is not, is not cracking. Yeah. Like, my girl usually gets a zero star right now because she has a little one in the bun. And then I'll be like, all right, I want three or four. And then we eat it and we're like, wait, did we get the wrong order? And we'll like trade and it'll be the exact same spiciness for both. And it, then it's like, it's on the spicier side, but it's definitely never 
really like actually hot. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he the he 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 does one through ten. All right, and then not one through five. We do one through five, mm, and he okay. he tries to explain to people at his restaurant. You know those badasses that come in there and want to just start off with a ten. He tries to explain to them, and this is goes. This is true for everybody. You can always order lower and go higher. Yeah, you, you can add a spice. You, you can't take it out. Exactly. You can't go back down the scale. And his issue was people sending their dishes back because they were too spicy. And he said, in the Chinese culture, that is a, one of the worst um, insults. Uh, in the world, so he was trying to, you know, he's he's trying to fix it. He's trying he, and that's what he he was talking about. He's trying to figure out a way to create a new um, scale to come out because he says that you go into restaurants and if you don't speak Chinese or you don't know somebody at the restaurant and to tell them. No, I don't want the one through five bullshit. I want that 10. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to put an awareness out there for people to let them know what a, re- a real heat scale is. Um, I don't know. I've, I've started, my buddy James, who's been on the show before, tried, he's starting to get into spicy stuff, and he's starting to learn about Scoville units and mm-hmm. stuff. And I am keep trying to tell him, man, you think you're brave. I don't fuck with that shit. It'll ruin your day. Definitely. So, I mean, it's actually really funny because, you know, I mean, we've all worked in restaurants and I hate to like depict a certain race or anything like that because it kind (laughs) of makes me sound like an asshole, but it's usually the same people every time I've worked in a restaurant and Indian people, they come into restaurants and they ask for this food and then a bunch of side of peppers, like mad peppers. And you're just like, all right, cool. And you give them the peppers and then they ask for more peppers because it's not hot enough. And I've, I've known a lot of cooks that are like, like, there's no way they need that many peppers. And I'm like, have you had real Indian food like from India? Like that shit's no joke. They throw down on them spices. I just don't, I don't understand. I mean, I, I it's pleasurable. Spice is pleasurable to yeah. me, right? I enjoy this, the heat. Especially the, when it's used properly. The heat, the burn. But sometimes I've had fire ass dishes that how do you get past the, like the, the first two bites? They're great. You're like, oh man, the food tastes good. The, the heat is really good. Your butt. But then you're, yeah, but then you're fucked. <laughs> hard and you're just like I don't know what to do and and I get but they've been they've grown up on spice so I think in maybe in the United States we're, we're babied and we think that we can handle spice and then you hit them with that real stuff I mean I've been over to Thailand and uh yeah Cambodia and Thai chilies are no joke <sighs> no joke all right um last story we're gonna cover real quick Johnny's favorite drink uh just came on the market and, and it's off it's finally it came and went it came <laughs> I can't believe we're covering this <laughs> I just wanted to cover it just because for I basic bitches all around for, the world no for real and for kids um because uh I had no idea this had happened or this was going down but the unicorn frappuccino and like one of my pastry chefs came up to me the other day and she's like I got my daughter the unicorn frappuccino but I got her like a small because I didn't want to get her the big and I looked at the nutrition facts and it was like she said it had the equivalent of three Snickers bars of sugar inside of this frappuccino so I was like what is this thing and then all of a sudden Instagram started blowing up with these things and then I was like oh it's for basic bitches only uh, <laughs> who basic basic bitches who hate baristas yeah you know what I'm <laughs> so I just wanted to go go over some of the facts because they're like it was only here for I want to say a week they did it from the 19th. I don't know. Did you ever order one? Did you get to try it? No, I never ordered one. I've heard that they're god awful. Well, I heard they're also pretty hard to make, labor intensive. They're very labor intensive, but they have a recipe out now so you can make them at home because people, I guess, enjoyed them that much. 
It fucking looks disgusting. It looks disgusting. Anyways, so I just wanted to read over a few of the nutrition facts just because it was just so foul. And I thought it was still going on, but then I read this article and I was like, oh, it's it ended today. Um, but so the standard unicorn frappuccino is made with whole milk and whipped cream. A grande has 410 calories. Uh Though, of course, this info changes if you get a lower fat or non-dairy milk or skip the whipped cream, which nobody really does unless they're, I mean, once you're getting the unicorn frappuccino, you're in it to win it, I would assume. Um, aside from the milk and the ice, the unicorn frappuccino is made with a bunch of flavored syrups and sauces, Starbucks cream frappuccino syrup, vanilla syrup, mango syrup, classic syrup, and white chocolate mocha sauce. Um, and the fairy powder are actually a mixture of sugar and food coloring made from fruit and vegetables. Um, looking at the, you know, like, so you have the nutrition facts and then you have the ingredients that go underneath it. It states that it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different versions of sugar going into one drink. Dude, fuck that. These are frappuccinos? These are frappuccinos. Uh, um, they look fucking gross. Yeah, so it has, so a grande has 50, 59 grams or 15 teaspoons of sugar. Um, they were like, let's put that into context. That's um, a whole king size Hershey bar. Um, a 12 ounce can of Coca-Cola has 39 grams of sugar. So... It would be safer to give your child Coca-Cola than it would be to give your child a unicorn frappuccino. Um, one serving of Ben and Jerry's brownie batter cool core ice cream has 27 grams of sugar and frosted flakes has 10 grams of sugar per serving. Gross, right? I'm just freaking out because I'm like 410 calories in one drink. That's like two can two, three candy bars. Yeah. Um, so basically that's type two in a cup. As I like to say. So if it ever comes back out again, get it once and try it, but don't fall in love with it. I just like McRibs. Oh, the McRibs. <laughs> All right. That's going to take us on to our uh, ingredient of the week. Uh, thank you for uh, filling us in on the now uh, extinct unicorn frappuccino. I, I wish unicorns would come back. Yeah. You know, I didn't know you, narwhals were real. Excuse me? I thought Darwals were mythical animals. You are <laughs> a special person. I touched by God. <laughs> uh, so this week we decided on the king trumpet mushroom. Mushroom season is uh, kind of coming in. Uh, Again, I mean, it's it's here It goes there. in and out. Yeah. Uh, but I've had a couple friends like, I'm going oyster foraging. And I'm like, bring me back some. So no, I think morels are coming around too. They are. I know some friends have got some uh, pretty gangster ones. Um, yeah. So, uh, Johnny, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, buster. Buster, buster. Uh, so, basically, what I'm going to do is a king trumpet escabiche. Um, an escabiche is just a form of of preserving, um, since you guys all know that I like to do that. Anyway. Preservation Jahani. But it's a little bit different. It doesn't. It uses vinegar, but not. I feel not, like I'm at schooling, schooling people, yeah, man. It uses vinegar, but it doesn't use a ton of vinegar. Uh, the way that I like to do it, Escabiche, is you'll get um, some aromatics, so usually some bay leaf, some thyme. Um, I would get like three or four garlic cloves, maybe um, a head and a half of shallot. Uh, you'll finely slice that shallot, and you'll crush up that garlic and your bay leaves, and you'll get that going in a mixture of, um, I've used olive oil. It, that's a little expensive, though. So you can use grapeseed. You can use, you know, um, 
you know, regular vegetable oil or something like that. And what you do is you're going to heat up a, li- a mixture of the vegetable oil. I probably say it depends on how many oyster mushrooms you're doing. Um, if you're doing, let's say we're going to do five, you're going to cut those in half. And what you're going to do with the mushrooms is you're going to score them. So you're going to cut them ever so slightly on the flat side, um, slice them down one way and slice them down the other way, not cutting through, just basically getting it so that uh, the flavor can penetrate into the mushroom. Um, You're gonna take those, you're gonna lay those in a pan, a baking dish of some sort or whatever. You can also put these in jars, you can put them, you know, in a Pyrex or whatever you people like to do. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna heat up a mixture of about, I'd say, three cups of oil, um, one cup of either distilled vinegar. I like to use champagne vinegar just because it has a lot more tartness and sweetness to it. Um, Then your aromatics, and you're gonna bring that up until it's nice and warm and bubbly. Um, You're gonna drop that liquid once it cools down, I would say, let's leave it at like 110, 115, you know, about room temperature. Um, you're going to pour that over your mushrooms and you're going to cover that with saran wrap or if you're putting it in a container with a tight, lid. tight, tight, tight. And what that's going to do is it's going to ever so slightly cook those mushrooms. <laughs> you said ever so slightly, like five times. <laughs> <laughs> So slightly. Ever so slightly. Uh, be gentle, man. Yeah, gentle be, with the mushroom. It's a, it's a very, it's a nice technique. Um, what it does is it infuses that mushroom with this really nice vinegary oil. And then what you can do after you're done with that is you can take those out after they've sat in there for about, I don't know. I I like to do it overnight, um, just because when it cools down, it absorbs even more. Um, and you'll take those out and you can flat top them or put them in a saute pan real quick and just sear them. And they'll have this really great, soft, vinegary, um, oily taste. Um, and you can put it at a base of a chicken dish or, you know, some fish or something. They also look really pretty because they're still whole. So they don't cook down too much after you start searing them. Um, yeah, and it's just a quick little awesome recipe. It's great for preserving in the long haul too, if you wanna put it in a resealable, uh, what are those things, ball jars, I guess? Yeah, ball mason jars. Yeah, mason jars. Um, I have about 50 of them at my house where my girlfriend loves the right? and loves if, preserving stuff. If you, and if you use- I just use them to drink chocolate milk. Right, of. but if you use a mason jar, be sure to sanitize, sanitize, sanitize. Sanitize, sanitize. boil it out, and then make sure when you when you tighten it up, you make sure you get sealed. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't tighten it tight enough. You gotta make sure that that button, because when you seal it, there'll be that little button that you press on the top, you know? Yeah. Uh, you gotta make sure that that doesn't exist on the top so you got to boil it until that seal sucks it back down um and if it doesn't work the first time you can re- you can do it again so how the jar sounds <laughs> episode 69 <laughs> all right uh so i'm doing like a stir fried sugar snap peas or i'm not gonna use them i gonna use sugar snap peas whatever snow peas is what i'm gonna use um with uh, like a spicy oyster sauce, I think that we decide on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first let's make the salt. Well, you're gonna need I don't know a, a, a two handfuls of king trumpet mushrooms, um, and then I'm gonna say uh, one giant handful of uh, the snow peas. Okay? What size handful are we talking? Because you got bare hands. What other kinds of hands are there? <laughs> Like I have small girl hands, so don't you you got the giant fucking rape claws over there? <laughs> Jesus, fuck out of here with that shit. Um, 
So first, you want to clean your um, your uh, snow peas. Um, take them, rinse them really well. You can. There's a string that kind of has that holds the pod. I always take mine off. I don't like it. I think it's stringy when you eat it. So you pull that off. Set those to the side. Uh, you're gonna make this sauce real quick. You're gonna make like a use a quarter cup of oyster um, stock, um, right? No, oyster sauce. Sauce. Oyster sauce. Like uh, when I was thinking of that, um, not stock, but it's that thick gelatinous um, oyster. It's called something else. I don't know. Uh, okay, you can use oyster sauce, jelly? right? Jelly? Yeah, yeah, it's like oyster jelly or whatever. But uh, do a half cup of oyster sauce. Um, you want to throw in maybe two pinches of chili flake. Uh, mince up two whole things of garlic. You want to add a quarter or like two tablespoons of ponzu sauce. Um, a table so- a tablespoon of soy sauce. And um, a little bit of mirin. And let's do um, a quarter cup of rice wine vinegar. Yeah, it sounds good. That sounds appropriate. Mix, mix that up. Really, you can use an immersion blender um, to get it frothy. I don't know because that that oyster sauce is going to be. Um, or you can flick it or flick it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just use a whisk, but get it nice and put it back in the fridge. Um, and then you're going to cut your um, trumpets uh, down quartered. Uh, you want to leave them long, uh, okay. kind of long, thin. Uh, so half once, flip it over, cut them in quarters. All right, then you're going to get yourself a walk. Bigger the walk, the better. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the older, the better, too. Um, you're going to put that heat on high. You're going to throw in some sesame oil in there. Mm. Um, a good amount. Uh, lib- li- what do you call it? Liberal. Yeah. Liberal amount in there. You want to get it really, really, really hot. I would personally wait till it starts smoking. Uh, a lot of my chefs tell me not to do that. Uh, it all depends on what type of smoke. You got to when it just starts to smoke. Yeah, that's always good. Just. But you and don't keep want white mo- smoke. Yeah, well, you keep moving the pan. I I don't let my heat come my oil heat up like and just sit there. I yeah. always move my oil around. Season that pan so, a little bit. Exactly, and so you can see when it's about to start smoking. But I want to get that oil nice and hot, and then make sure your your snow peas are dry. Okay. <laughs> Make sure you try them all. And then you want to toss those in the pan. And then what you want to do is start flicking that fucking walk hella fast, right? Super duper fast. Hit it with some salt and pepper, right? Let that go. Pull off the heat. Add a couple splashes of water, right? Let that water heat up. Cook through the... Mm-hmm. You, so you want some color on the outside of those snow peas. And you want that water to penetrate and kind of steam the inside of it. Okay. Bam. Put it back on the heat. Throw in your trumpet mushrooms, right? Toss it up, baby. Let me see you toss it up. Right? Just get some color. You still want some of that, that, that texture, that firmness, that bite to those mushrooms because those are fucking gorgeous mushrooms, man. Yeah, for I, sure. You don't want to cook Oh, them my too God. Much. You rub them on your face. <laughs> but you want the outside to get a little bit. You want to get that sear on there. You want, but you want this flavor. And then, right, you get it, and you just want to toss it up in there hot. Get it get it going, and then hit the hit it with the sauce, right? So, Oh, that little sauce mixture you Yeah, the earlier. sauce mixture. You pull that out the fridge. Make sure it's nice and cold. Turn the heat down. Put the put the the sauce in there that you made. Do not have the heat up. Do not have the heat up. <laughs> but then when you get the sauce in there, you want to... Um, you want to turn the heat back up, and I don't know, maybe just I just keep tossing it, man. To use that walk, use your skills, man, and just yeah. keep flipping it around for about uh, two minutes. Uh, you don't want it to, nothing. You don't want anything to sit. Yeah, because that means it's gonna get soggy, or one side's gonna cook. So you want a nice even. Pull that out. Serve it over fucking brown rice. Um, Ooh, healthy. Yeah, uh, my girlfriend won't let me eat any other jasmine rice. Maybe sometimes, but she won't let you me. You should eat. get brown brat- batsmati. Batsmati, batsmati. <laughs> yeah, but you can serve that over a lot of different stuff. That's a good dish to go on top of a fish. Um, you can serve it over rice. Sounds good. Um, 
Yeah, and you can modify it any which way you like. That's I always kind of modify my recipes, but yeah. uh, I like that one. Yeah, I've, I've done something I might like have to fucks with it. Yeah, I fucks with it, yardcore. So that's gonna bring us to the end of episode six to the nine. Uh, I want to thank the Soundcasting Network for hosting us, Studio Two One Two for recording us, Queef Boogie, uh, producer extraordinaire. He uh, he added ice cream to this episode. That was his. Uh, <laughs> he kept us on track. We're our time. Oh shit, we're at. Four 40 minutes. Um, social medias, Facebook, Johnny, what is it? Um, Grill How Long Steak Mister. What about that gram, though? At Grill How Long Steak Mister. Oh, and then, do you tweet? I don't tweet, but our Twitter is at How Long Steak Mister. Well, yeah, thank you, uh, James Yader, for uh, our. Uh, it was his birthday the other day. Happy birthday. Right, 420. The boy does not smoke that ganj, though. <laughs> so I don't smoke that shit either. He's too busy making moves. Right. Um, and then you can hit us about our email, Grill How Long Steak Mister. That's Mr. MR at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Bobby Stills. Johnny, what's your. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> uh, Johnny Tunani. Johnny, what's your address? <laughs> Johnny with a J H too. Jahani. Jahani Tunami. Jahani. Did I ever tell the story about my lady's mom coming into the restaurant? Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. Does uh, Jahani? Is Jahani working? <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with an episode next week. I promise a guest next week. Uh, I'll, you know, Sam sucks some books so I have to. But uh, yeah, talk to you later. All right, peace. Grill. How long steak, mister? Five minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>